this morning, the title of my message is like father, like son, or like daughter, or like father, like daughter, like mother, like son, however you want to put it. You can name it however you want to put it. You know, does anybody know, and you know you're going to have to talk back to me, so you might as well not get quiet in here this morning, or I'll have you come up here and help me preach and stand right here next to me. The youth know that, so that's why I got them up here. Um, what is the law of Genesis? Everything produces after its own kind. Correct? Let's turn there and look at it for just a second. We'll hit some high points of it. Genesis 1.25. I'm just going to tell you just one or two high points. We don't even have to turn there if you don't want to. It's, it's real simple. They can put it up on the screen for you if you want to. Uh, and God made the beast of the earth after its kind. After it says after its kind, read that with me. After its kind. And the cattle after their kind. And everything that creeps on the earth after his kind. And God saw it was good. Then Genesis 7:14, guys in the booth, y'all stay with me if you can this morning. And every beast after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth, and every fowl, and every bird after his sort or kind. Leviticus 11:22. 11:14 through 22. Sorry about that, guys. And the vulture, and the kite, and the raven, and the owl, and the nighthawk, and the cockcrow, and the hawk, and the little owl, and the comma, whatever that word is, yeah. And the great owl, and the swan, and the pelican, and the gyre eagle, and the stork, and the heron. And the lapwing and the bat and the fowls and the creep going on all four, all of them after their kind and the locust after his kind and verse 22, the beetle after his kind and the grasshopper after their kind. The law of Genesis. You got the picture. So if God made everything to produce after his kind, did he change with man? Do we produce after our kind? Do your kids look like you? A mixture of the two of you? They kind of look like you? Do they kind of... Do you look like your parents? In some way? Do you do kind of the same things your parents do? The older you get... Yeah? Let's look at some things that some people in the Bible did and see if we recognize anything that can happen. I don't want the very first thing that has happened in the past when people say, oh no, here they go talking about families and kids and they don't have any. Well, the Bible is your answer for everything. Okay, so the best thing to do if you want an answer to something is go to where? So if you want to know how to fix a situation, we'll go to the Bible with it. Okay, I have concerns in the world and in our church and in our families that um, things are producing after their own kind. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? So let's go forward and you'll see what I'm talking about as time goes on. Let's look at someone, some people in the Old Testament. And we will see people that we have great respect for what happened in their lives. Let's look at Genesis chapter, let's see, 26 verse uh, we'll start actually at verse 6. With Isaac. Everybody remember Isaac? You produce who you are. You produce after your own kind. Keep that in mind throughout today, okay? Who you are 
is what you produce. What you are is what you produce. And every time you think about that, before we go any further, every person in here that's a parent, would you stand up? Okay? All right? Every person in here then that is a grandparent, would you stand up? Okay? Every person in here then that is an aunt, would you stand up? That you're not a parent, but you are an aunt. Okay? Every person in here that has a um, uh, responsibility that has children that they can be responsible for at some point in time, would you stand up? Is there anyone else sitting down? Uncle, excuse me, uncles, excuse me, uncles, aunts, uncles. Well, excuse me. Sorry about that. I'm an aunt, so that automatically crosses my mind. The uncle goes with the aunt. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, Uncles, yes. Is there anyone sitting down besides the young guys right here? So that pretty much covers everyone in this congregation, correct? There's one person sitting down that doesn't have any responsibility for any children. Let's get him some, okay? Okay? Wouldn't y'all agree? Yes. Okay, you can be seated. So you see why this is so important in here this morning. Okay. Isaac, verse 6. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men in the place asked him of his wife. And he said, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Asked him of his And he said, Whoa, 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 whoa. Asked him of his wife and she said, and he said, she is my what? Now what is that called? Am I missing something? In my book, that's called a, a a not truth. Um, It's called a, um, but it went on and say he was afraid. So that made it okay, right? No. Um, because she was pretty. That made it okay. No. Um, you keep on reading the story and he makes all the excuses why it was okay, right? But anyway, it was a... Lie. All right. Go on to Genesis 27. He's the head of the house. Is that correct? Go on to Genesis 27. And Isaac has a wife, and her name is what? Rebecca. And Rebecca has a son, and his name is what? Jacob and Esau. And uh, what does Rebecca and Jacob do? Oh, okay. Let's look at Rebecca and Jacob. In verse 6, what's happening to Isaac? He's dying, remember? And he's telling about the blessings that's going to come. And before his death, verse 6, it says, And Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me some venison and make me some savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord uh, before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Now, wait a minute. Who is this? What is his mother telling him to do? Who's telling him to do it? What kind of precedent is this setting? His daddy lied. His mother's telling him to lie. Hmm. Go and fetch some flock and fetch me two good goats and kids and I'll make savory meat for your father that he loves and will bring it to your father. Verse 12. My father peradventure will feel me and I will seem to him like a deceiver. Well, why wouldn't he seem like a deceiver? 
Because what is he? Like father? Did his father deceive? Did his mother deceive? Why wouldn't you think he would deceive? What example did he have to follow? So, verse 14, he went and he fetched and he brought him to his mother and his mother made the meat such as his father loved. And Rebecca took the raiment to, uh, of her older son and they went in the house and they, she put them on Jacob and she put the skins of get on him. And um, verse 19, and Jacob said to his father, what did he say? I am Esau, your firstborn. What's that scripture somewhere in the Bible about reaping? Now, how can Isaac discipline Jacob for lying to him? When the example, he may not have known it, and that's where problems come in, is you think just because they didn't see it, they don't know it. But spiritual things are real. Can Isaac really, really in his heart, truthfully discipline his son for being deceptive to him when he himself was deceptive it's mighty quiet in here you better like he says say no 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 you know and when you get home deal with it yeah there you go that's much better yeah everybody's missed it this is not condemnation we have problems guys And the number one problem with our society is everybody is afraid to face the truth. We're living in fear. We're living in fear that we can't raise our kids right. They're going to mess up. We live in fear that they're going to end up on drugs. They're going to end up drinking. They're going to end up this. They're going to end up that. And kids today have no respect for their parents. Zero. I'm not saying 19% respect. They have zero respect for their parents. Zero. And, and we have to figure out why that is. It's not a coincidence that they have zero respect for their parents. There's reasons why. So... In my life, I learned a long time ago when I quit being rebellious, if I want things to change in my life, I have to face them. Putting things off doesn't change things. It just puts them off. But if we want things to really change and help, we have to face them. And a strong person will want to know the truth so that they can fix it. So can Isaac... In unison, really, really, really correct his son. No. Can Rebecca correct her son? She told him to do it. Have you ever told your child? Go, don't, don't answer this. Go to school and tell them you couldn't get your homework up because you had them doing something else. Or have you ever told them, tell them I'm not here when they call on the telephone? What is that teaching them? If you teach your children to lie, then you jump on them for lying. Where's where's the respect? It's okay to lie today, but for this, but for this, it's not okay to lie. Where do we draw the line? Is the white lie okay, but the black lie is not? I never could. Maybe I was colorblind. When it came to lying. 
Okay, let's go further. Let's go further. This is Bible, is it not? Okay, are they producing after their own kind? Okay, Jacob, he deceived his dad, right? What happened to Jacob? Okay, you go to Genesis 29. Verse 16, Laban, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to thee than, she, than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to be unto him but a few days, for he loved her and he had to have her. And Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go unto her. And Laban gathered all the men of the place and they made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening, uh-oh, that he took Leah. Leah, his daughter, and brought him to her. And he went into her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpeth his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, what is this? That you have done unto me. Did I not serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? What a man sows. He sowed deceit. He reaped deceit. So then what happened? He had to serve another seven years. To get Rachel. Correct? So now he's got Rachel. Anybody remember what Rachel did? Is this going on? Does it carry on? Now he's married to Rachel. She has a daddy. Is he a deceiver? Did she live in a household of deception? What did she grow up under? What do you expect her to be then? Turn with me to Genesis 31. Laban's upset. Jacob got up and took everybody and everything. You remember? And left in the nighttime. Laban goes out searching for him. He finds him. And he's missing some of his stuff. Jacob didn't take it. Let's find out who did. Some of you don't know your Old Testament well enough. You're mighty quiet. See, I can tell. Genesis 31:32 Laban says, "And whomsoever you find my gods with, let him not live." Pretty serious, right? Before our brethren discerned that thou were with me, and he goes on and says some things, and Laban went into Jacob's tent, verse 33, and into Leah's tent, and into the two tents of the maid servants, but he found them not. And he went out of Leah's tent and he entered into Rachel's tent. Now, Rachel had taken his gods. Now, it's sad when you can sit on a god. Don't you think? I'm so thankful I can't sit on my god. Aren't you? Now, Rachel had taken the gods or the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And Laban searched the tent, but he found them not. 
And she said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but he found not the images. What did she just do? Where did she learn that from? Like father, like daughter. Does he have any right to be upset with her? No. None whatsoever. What did you gain from your parents? We're talking about deception in this one story. It's not just deception that we gain from our parents. This is just one example that I took the time to read to you from the Word. There there are more. But people gain all kind of characteristics from their parents, from their grandparents. Let's think about some of them. People think it's cute when kids are little. They see them. They're little. Mama's dusting. Little Susie's too. She follows Mama around the house with her dust rag, and she's dusting just exactly like Mama's doing. She's watching her, and she's dusting. Isn't that so cute? Right? But Mama's got a dust rag in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand. The dust rag is cute. But when she gets to be 20, the cigarette's not so cute. But can mama say anything? Or when she gets to be 12, the cigarette's not so cute. Right? What are things that we've learned from our parents? We talked about the deception and the lying. What about anger? Can anger be passed down? The way that you deal with things, anger, a situation arises, instead of knowing how to deal with it, you just blow a fuse. Is that passed down from fathers to sons? Did your dad pass it down to you? Anger, temper, people call it all kinds of things. Not being able to control themselves, all kind of stuff. What about stealing? People don't really call it stealing it anymore. They borrow and it, going to put it back. Or I borrowed the lawnmower and I meant to give it back to them and they moved. Just never got around to it. They don't call it stealing, but it's stealing. You kept it so long that the people were too embarrassed to come and ask you for it back. Stealing. Stealing. Excessive drinking and smoking. Watching stuff on TV, sexual issues, watching stuff on the Internet. What did you get from your parents? Think about it. Get it in your mind. The bad things that you got. Because a lot of our parents, when we grew up and younger, they weren't trying to live for the Lord. They didn't know better. What did you get? Maybe it was stuff like not paying your bills. Maybe it was trying to get people to feel sorry for you so you could get more money out of them. Maybe it was the whole world owes me something. Maybe it was prejudices of some kind. What was it? Maybe it was just plain old out rebellion. Gonna do it your way. 
no matter what. Going to have it your way no matter what. Or this one is, is probably one of my favorites. Never looking at the truth or dealing with the issues. Pretending like problems don't exist in today's society. What did you obtain from your parents? Now, we have another parent. Now, most of, every person in here except for one stood up over there, and we're going to adopt him and make him an adoptive parent in here today. Um, every person in here that would like to break that cycle of things or has not broken it or wants to continue breaking it, raise your hand of things that it's not broken. I do. There's always things you want to break in your life. We have another parent. So let's think about things that we can substitute. You know, like somebody may have grown up with a parent that was just always sickly. Oh, uh, something's wrong with me, you know, and I was just laying on the couch or, or they're never okay and always feel sorry for me. Always needing attention. What kind of child do you think that's going to produce? Always having to go to the doctor. What kind of child is that going to produce? A weak, sickly child, right? What about somebody that never works? It's going to produce a child that thinks that they never have to work. They're going to see you get by with never having to work. What about a wife abuser or a husband abuser? I will use both because nowadays you have both. What kind of child is that going to produce? An abuser. Can we break these cycles? I had them sing this morning, the greater one is in me. Is there ways to break these things? There are ways. But the number one thing that we have to do is face them. Is there ways for these guys to break the deception in their families? Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob. Was there ways to keep them from being deceptive? Generation after generation after generation after generation from being deceptive. Why don't kids respect their parents? It's real simple. Because they know them. They know what happens when they open those doors and when they close those doors. They know them. They know what you said on that telephone to that person wasn't true. They know you colored it gray. Or they colored it gray. They know you should have paid that bill instead of buy that dress. They know. Don't get quiet on me. People are going to know you now. Hey, I tell you about me. That's what happened to me when I was younger. That's what was the trouble Keith and I had. He knew me. And he was unwilling to let this cycle go on in our lives. I was rebellious. And he was unwilling to let us live that way the rest of our lives. That was me. It wasn't easy. But you have to make a decision in your life if you want. You now here have a choice to make for the rest of the generations. Money is a good thing to pass down to your families. But there's something more valuable and more precious than money. It's integrity. 
It's honesty. It's who you are. It's a valuable thing that we as a society have lost. When we become Christians, there should be a difference in Christ-like and world-like. Christ-like is not a deceiver or a liar or a sickly or a not pay the bills or a feel sorry for me or a pity me. Or whoa, 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 me. It's I can do all things now because I have Christ. This is the world. And we are to help them. We are to be different from them. Our kids are to be different than theirs. They are to have victories that these kids, these kids won't have victories that these Christ-like kids have. And it's not happening. And I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy that the Christ-like kids are having the same problems that the non-Christ-like kids are having. And that they're failing and that they're stealing. When I sit in youth and hear... I'm stealing, I'm robbing, I'm having sex, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. That doesn't bless me. But you know why that is? They've seen it somewhere. It's happening somewhere. And we can blame it on somebody else if we want to, but it can be broken. But it won't change until we admit we are strong enough and not to P-R-I-D-E, not too full of pride to admit we are wrong. The problem so much now is we're too interested in keeping up with the Joneses to keep up with ourselves. And the problem is we're too interested in keeping up with the ex-wife or the ex-husband to discipline the kids. Somebody's got to do it. But you can't discipline the kids until you discipline yourself. Now, take for instance, the family, the church is a type of the family, correct? It's like, say for instance, Keith and I are the mother and daddy of the church. All right? If Keith and I were fighting all the time, if we were every time we walked in the door, We were at each other's throat. Could you sense that? Would there be strife in this church? Now, what if we chase the strife all the time? No. What if we chase the strife? What if Dave and I were constantly... Having to put out strife with Jim and Giovanna. Having to put out strife with Dan and Shireen. Having to put out strife with with Billy and Diane. I mean, there was strife with Jeremy and Dave. There was strife with Dan and and um, uh, Jim. I mean, Karen and Jam were fighting, and and Maggie and Jeannie were fighting, and 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 Laura and Nancy were fighting. Everybody was fighting. What if there was strife? Everybody just had something going. Just strife with each other. Still not getting it. Still not getting it. Still not getting it. Think just a minute, guys. Go back to what I just asked you. We are the parents of the church. We are fighting 
Somebody got it? Like father, like son. If Keith and I don't fix the strife between us, it will do absolutely no good for us to be running around like chickens with our head cut off trying to fix the strife between everybody in this church. The reason that there's not strife between each and every family and each and every usher and each and every person in this church is because Keith and I are not fighting all the time. And the reason that marriages are getting stronger in this church is because our marriage is strong. Everything produces after its own kind. And the reason finances are getting stronger in this church. And the reason giving is getting stronger in this church. Everything produces after its own kind. It doesn't just happen. We could chase putting out strife in this church till Jesus comes. But until Keith and I get the strife put out in our own family between the two of us, We will never stop the strife in this church. That goes for pastors all over this world. If there's strife between the husband and wife that are pastoring the church, if they don't get the strife fixed between them, it's never going to stop in their church. Okay, whoa. Next step. Next step. Lisa and Rick, stand up. Turn around. Lisa and Rick's getting along. They're not fighting. But if they were at each other's throat, y'all are fighting, fight. They're fighting with each other. They're fighting. They think the kids don't hear it. Jacob and Elise are fighting all the time. They're getting in fights at school. They're fighting with everybody. They're strife. They're fighting. Jacob and Elise are miserable. They're fighting all the time. They can come down on those kids till Jesus comes. But until they get it fixed between the two of them, whatever it takes, it ain't no need in them fighting with those kids and trying to fix it with those kids. Y'all can be seated. Do you get the picture? Everything produces after its own kind. Now you say, I can't. I've tried to fix the problems with my wife. You ain't tried hard enough. Love never fails. Everything produces after its own kind. You're sick. Your kids are going to be sick. You're depressed. Your kids are going to be depressed. You're broke. Your kids are going to be broke. You speak negative. Everything produces after its own kind. It is a law that God set into motion. You must start with the head. It cannot change unless you fix the start. Unless you fix the top. You cannot go fix the outlying edges of it. I could fix the little strife between Dave and Dan, but it's just going to break out between Kim and Kate. And it won't be long. It'll break out between them again until you fix the root of it. And the devil knows if he can get the head messed up, 
the rest is going to be messed up. And the devil knows if he can get the head to deceive or lie or, or, or get in strife or, or do all the other things, that it'll just flow throughout the rest. Everything produces after its own kind. So, for deception and lies, what will we substitute after our real father? Truth. For anger, what will we substitute? Peace. Peace. Stealing. Giving. Drinking and smoking and sexual stuff. Ministering to people that drink and smoke and have sexual issues. Not paying the bills. Helping others pay their bills, too. Lazy. Oh, three people said it. Lazy. Rebellious. Or humility, yeah. Um, never looking or dealing with issues. Face them. What about sick? Pray and get healed. Get up and do it. Let the weak say, yes. Depressed. Joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is never okay for a Christian. Where's that word? Never okay for a Christian to go in their bedroom and shut the door and be depressed. Never. There's never an excuse. There's never a time. It's never okay. You can say, well, it's a chemical imbalance. Well, God fixes chemical imbalances. Never okay. Never. Okay? Um, Feeling sorry for yourself. Keith has a saying. Never, ever, ever, never, ever. But then he has another one. Never pet a powder. Yeah. Um, People owing you stuff. Be thankful. Be thankful for everything that you have. Prejudices. Love everybody. No matter what their shape, size, color, creed, religion. Love everybody. Love everybody. Now the second thing. My second point is the first one was everything produces after its own kind. Do you see the importance of that in your family, your kids, whatever you do at home, they see it. They're going to be it. You can teach them otherwise, but it's from the head. It's going to come down. Number two, life and death. Proverbs 18, 21. We don't even have to turn there. We just quote it, but I'll read it to you from a couple of different translations. The Living Bible says, Those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. The Message Bible says, Words kill, words give life. They're either either poison or fruit. You choose. The English version, which we're working on getting strong as we can. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. Now, somebody said this one time, and I wrote it down, and I I found it the other day. And see, I think you'll agree with it. Your self-portrait determines your self-conduct. Your self-portrait determines your self-conduct. Who you see yourself as determines how you act. You agree with that? So what about your kids? 
The other day, I was so smart. I didn't know Keith was going to get on live submit the other day. And y'all notice I left? Yeah. I didn't know it. I was being submissive. He told me when the classes got over a certain size that I needed to go check on them because, you know, they were kind of, yeah, overflowing in some areas. And so um, I snuck out and left and was dealing with some things. And I went in some classes, and there was this little guy. And um, he was in the naughty chair for the third time that day. And um, so I talked to him. And I said, why are you in the naughty chair? And he, and this is what he told me. He said, because I'm a bad boy. And I said, you're not a bad boy. I said, you may have done something bad, but you're not a bad boy. He said, well, my mama tells me I'm bad all the time. Well, now, what does he believe? Now, are kids taught to believe what their parents tell them? Kids think that their parents are God. They think, I mean, little kids think mama and daddy are the God of the world. Especially at that age. He was little bitty. And what mama and daddy says is right. They may fight him. They may kick They may buck, they may argue, they may scream, but it gets into their spirit because they believe them. And he argued with me that he was bad because mama said it. And it took me 30 minutes to convince him that he was not bad, that he might do bad things, but that he was not bad. Now, you as parents... Must guard your words. When a child does something wrong, they must be corrected. And we'll get into that some more in just a moment about how and when and where and why and what. But a child must be corrected. But to jerk a child by the arm and say, you're a horrible child, you'll never amount to anything. You're always bad. Goes right into their little heart. And they can spend a lifetime trying to get rid of that. If they ever do. Because God gave them to you as parents because you're supposed to be smarter than they are. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Let's continue reading some things about this. Proverbs 12, 14. Let's let the word tell you some things about it instead of just me. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. That's the King James. The Amplified says in Proverbs 12, 18, it says, There are those, Proverbs 12, 18, who speak rashly like the piercing of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12:18 in the NIV Reckless words pierce like a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The Living Bible Some people like to make cutting remark, remarks but the words of the wise soothe and heal. The Message Bible Rash language cuts and maims But there's healing in the words of the wise. The English version. Thoughtless words can wound as deep as any sword. But wisely spoken words can heal. 
and the New King James. There's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So oftentimes, in today's society especially, parents are busy. And it's not changed from when most of us have grown up. Our parents were busy. And it's real easy. Say, for instance, kids come home from school. And you've got 52 things to do. And you know that they had a test today. And it's on your mind they've been failing this grade. Or they've been getting bad grades. Say they're taking history. And they've not been doing so good in history. And it's been on your mind that they got to get that history grade up. And they walk in the door. And the first thing that's out of your mouth is, how'd you do on your history test? Guilty? Two people. Two honest people ready to face stuff. Instead of showing any love. Parents assume that their kids know that they love them. How many women in here like to hear your husband say, I love you? Even though you know it. How many of you like to be held and cuddled and told you love them? Does it matter? How old are you? My mother says 22. That makes me very young. It doesn't matter how old you get. You must know that you're loved. You must know it. You can never, ever show a child. Now, love is not kiss me, kiss me 62,000 times a day. That's where the misconception comes in. Love is so confusing to our society today. Love with God. Does God know what love is? Do you feel his love? Does he correct you? Do you feel his correction? Does he scold you? Scolds me. Scolded me the other day. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Just in a minute. Scolded me. But he loves me. But he loves me enough to scold me. But he didn't abuse me. Kids must know that they are loved. They must know that they're not taking your time away. That they're not a burden to you. And that's hard today. Most of the time... Kids are very aware of the fact that you would prefer to be doing something else than be with them. Or need to be doing something else. Now, there are a few exceptions, but most of you in here chose to have your children. Now, they were cute. Like that puppy you brought home before it wet on your carpet and you had to get up early and feed it every day. Or it barked all night long. 
babies are cute. And it's like marriage. The thought of marriage oftentimes is more fun than being married for the first year. How many of you that were married for your first year can agree with that? Every, almost every hand in here went up. The first year of marriage is work, getting to know each other, right? It's fun, but it's work. It's a lot of work. Getting to know he likes this, she likes this. you got to give here. He's got to give here. It's work. Kids are work. And you cannot forget that you have them. They don't go away. And they're not the school's responsibility. Are the coach's responsibility? Are the church's responsibility? Are somebody else's responsibility to raise? Now we're going to get into the fun part. You understand what I'm saying about making life and death is in the power of your words over them. I don't think we have to spend all day on that. Change your confession over your kids. If they do something bad, you get them and you say, Now, little Johnny, what you did just now was not good. I love you. I mean, he may have taken, you may have just gone out and him got a, has a two-year-old say. And she went out and bought a new sofa. Keith did this. He's not here, so I'll tell you. No, his little brother actually did it. His little brother. I'll make sure I get my story straight. He did something else I'll tell you about later. (laughs) His little brother, his mother went out and got a new sofa. And his little brother, I think, was two, maybe three. And um, his daddy had been working outside with saws and stuff. And uh, he was two or three, and he decided he liked the way those saws worked. So he went inside with the new saw and sawed the sofa in lots of little pieces. Well, as a parent, you'd been maybe believing, that's probably the first new sofa his mom had ever had in her life, you know. And um, you don't have insurance to go get a new sofa. I mean, you know, you just don't have a new sofa anymore. You pull the old sofa back out and put it in there, you know. Well, what is your natural tendency? So what you have to do is you have to walk away. You must walk away. You, you, if you have to jog around the house 20 times till you cool down and get your, your strength waned, you do not run in there and yell at that child. If you do, that sofa means more to you than that child does. That sofa is stuff. That child is a child of God, whether it's yours or somebody else's. God created that child. And the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And it didn't say to do it to somebody you don't know that you're going to minister to. It said, speak the truth in love. And that means to your kids, too. Love never fails. Now, we're talking about breaking things, right? Breaking generations of... I mean, you've got grandparents today raising their kids' kids because their kids are in jail or something. Now, their kids are in jail, and the grandparent raised the kid that's in jail, so if something's not changed, what's going to happen with the kid they're raising? So you feel sorry for the grandparent. Things have got to change, guys. So you don't go in there and jerk that kid up and beat him till you can't see straight. You sit him down in your lap. They're three years old, four years old, five years old. They knew they did wrong. They're not confused that they shouldn't have done that. By no way, stretch of the imagination, are they confused that they shouldn't have done that. They did wrong. But you don't beat them. You sit them down in a calm voice and you tell them, you did wrong. You messed up. What you did was not wrong. I'm not right. You're not a bad kid, but you yielded to doing something that was very wrong. 
You thought about doing something bad and you made a choice. Then you're teaching that child at an early age to choose. Choose in his heart right from wrong. Otherwise, you're teaching that child that he has absolutely no control in his life. That he is a bad person and he has no control over what he does. If you walk in there and say, you are so bad, you're always messing up. Always, you always mess up. Then what does that child think?